Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. I am very excited for today's guest. We have Erin from Food Science Babe, which I know some of you follow her because you send me her videos sometimes asking follow-up questions um, as you are doing your intuitive eating journey. And today we're going to talk about clean eating, what that means, why social media cause this to be a thing and how it gets us worried about food. Erin, thank you for being here. Do you mind introducing yourself a little bit before we jump in? Yeah, thanks for having me. So yeah, like she said, I run the page Food Science Babe. So I have a bachelor's in chemical engineering from the University of Minnesota. I've worked in the food industry for over 10 years in both the conventional and organic sectors of the food industry. So I have experience working on different types of products, different size companies, really large companies, really small companies. And really, I just, I started my page in 2018. I was really just sick of all of the false claims and misinformation that I was seeing, you know, not only surrounding nutrition, which I had seen, you know, there were quite a few dietitians that were already on social media, which was great, but I didn't really see anyone specifically like talking about like the food manufacturing side of things, food processing, that kind of stuff. So I just was like, I'm going to start a page. And I had absolutely no idea that it would even become something popular at all. And it just kind of blew up. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started. You we needed you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so interesting because there is like an overlap in like food science training and dietetics training where we get like maybe a course or a semester in food science. So we kind of have the the top layer of understanding, but I think you're right. There's such a need to, for that deep dive from a chemical perspective, you, you provide so much education about that. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, it is a lot different too, when you actually have worked in industry as well, just like sort of understanding, like some of the misconceptions, it's like, no, I've worked in manufacturing facilities. Like that's not true at all. And it's difficult even like, you know, you don't really learn that stuff necessarily in school either. So it's like, there are just so many things where it's, it's these authorities, you know, people that like literally have never worked a day in the food industry and they're just sharing all this misinformation and people are just believing it. So yeah, I just felt like it was 
a gap that needed to be filled. And when I started it, I was, I was a stay at home mom and sort of doing some consulting on the side, which I still do now, but I was like, well, I didn't really have time for it, but I was like, I have a little bit of time. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to take up this much time when I started. So (laughs) I was like, I have some time, so I'll start this page. And then it kind of, yeah, got a little out of hand, but (laughs) and over the past couple of years, TikTok has really blown up, which I think has almost, I don't know, you can tell me if you think it made it kind of worse, some of the misinformation. I feel like that bite size controversy type of tone that comes up in TikTok has made it a little bit harder to figure out what's truth versus, you know, misinformation. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's definitely made it more difficult just because it is really, really difficult to communicate nuance in like a one minute to three minute video. When I first started, it was only like one minute. And now it's three minutes, but you get more views if it's less time. So it's like trying to fit something into one minute and make it nuanced and still make it accurate. Like it's so difficult. So the things that get so much attention are just these things that are basically confirming biases. And then like, you know, they get millions of views. And then by the time someone like me sort of debunks it, it's like, it's been viewed so many times. And then my debunking gets like a few thousand views and it's just like, okay, this is so frustrating. So that platform specifically, I feel like it really like pushes out that misinformation just because like, it's easy to watch a video that's like confirming biases and that's not really difficult to understand. And so it's like a big game of telephone sometimes too. Mm. Like if an account says, you know, there's all these accounts that are kind of like saying the same thing over and over again, and it's like false to begin with. And then it just like, gets like even more false as it goes on. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. The scientific process takes a super long time, like to conduct a study, get it peer reviewed, send that out, get it validated. Yeah. Like that is long form. And so TikTok is just taking like someone said this and I heard it. So I'm going to repeat it. And so right. <laughs> science kind of can't always keep up with how fast misinformation yeah. can, can go for sure. Yeah, definitely. So you get the trolls sometimes as well. I'm sure people who are from that camp, how do you cope with that? You know, as someone not even intellectually as a scientist, but as a person, what's that like for you to get so much? Yeah, uh, it was, it was something I kind of had to learn. Like it was, it was a lot more difficult at the starting. I didn't really, you know, I was just like trying to respond to like every single comment and I still try to respond to comments as much as I can, but I've realized it's like not worth my time. A lot of the time, the restrict feature on Instagram is great. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I do, I, I I usually give people a couple of chances, you know, to, you know, I'll respond, but if somebody's, you know, being just mean, or, you know, I will block people. Um, I will restrict people that, you know, I don't want my comment section to be a place where misinformation is spreading. So if I see something that's false, I'll respond to it. And I might just restrict that person. So like they can't be spreading more misinformation. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just a balance between like not getting too caught up in it, but monitoring it to a point where you can make sure like there isn't false information being spread in your comments too. So I think when we see things that are different than what we believe are true, like people get very, and like there's this initial reaction. Delina and I see it on our our pages. Delina more so I feel like has some company (laughs) company from folks that- I got a lot of trolls. Yeah, yeah, I can appreciate- I understand that reaction too, because like, 
I actually used to believe, like my page, a lot of the things that I communicate are things that I used to believe at one point in time. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of why I am so passionate about it as well, because like I used to believe these things. I used to restrict my diet. You know, I used to have all these food rules based on these clean eating things that I believed and, you know, believing organic was better and all these things. So, you know, I remember those times where I would have had that reaction if somebody was saying the things I'm saying now. So like, I I also have to remind myself too, when I get frustrated with people, like I understand where they're coming from. And like, I would have had that same reaction potentially in the past as well. But yeah, I mean, it does definitely get frustrating too, though. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I love that you say that because that's something that we often talk about on this podcast that like you could have believed something in the past and learned new information and now have a whole new set of beliefs that are better for you and your mental health and your lifestyle. And it's okay to have believed these things in the past. There's no shame or guilt. Like, I think, I don't know, Melissa, I don't think you and I have ever had this conversation, but I also was like very much like, mom, you have to get everything organic. There's like hormones, everything, you know, cause I feel like some of our education kind of like feels that a little bit. And then you come out into the real world and you're like, wait a second. Mm, yeah. Wait, let's talk about this. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance and context and all sorts of things we need to apply in our thinking. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So one thing I wanted to get your take on is kind of the backdrop where all this misinformation is spreading. So for us as intuitive eating dietitians, we see a lot of people influenced by the concept of clean eating. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, I don't know, for me, it was like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, where I started seeing a lot of that messaging, you know, we start thinking about like superfoods and foods that have sort of extra special properties. And then we have these foods that are almost claimed as toxins on the other side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. What is your take on this concept of clean eating? Why do you think people get obsessed with that idea? It's yeah. I mean, I know for me, I, I, I would say I was obsessed with it for a while as well. And I think, I think it is just due to obviously the misinformation out there. And then just, just sort of like, there is so much misinformation, like fear, fear based where it's like, you're literally afraid of, for me, it was like buying conventional produce. You know, I would always like make sure the dirty dozen I was buying organic. Cause I literally thought like it was poisoning me because it just, the way it's communicated is like, Oh, these things are just covered in pesticides. It's horrible for you. And in reality, I mean, that's not the case at all. But for me, like I actually bought less produce and ate less because I was like so afraid that it was just coated in pesticides. And so, you know, I think a lot of it just gets gets shared a lot because it's like fear sells. Not only is it being spread, you know, on social media, but it is a marketing strategy as well. I've worked at companies where it's been the marketing strategy and it's frustrating that these, I I always think of Panera when I think of like where clean eat, I, I don't know if that the origin was from them, but like they have like a no, no list, which is basically like our dirty ingredients. And so a lot of it, I think comes from 
places like that, companies sort of putting that out there, whole foods, you know, there's, there's a whole list of ingredients that if your food contains specific ingredients, you literally can't sell it in whole foods. And there's no scientific basis to these lists. Like clean doesn't mean safer. It doesn't mean healthier. So it's really just, I mean, it comes down to marketing basically. And it's appeal to nature. So appeal to nature, meaning people just in general tend to assume that natural equals safer. And that's, that's, that's all it comes down to is like playing off of that assumption that humans tend to make that like natural is safer and healthier, which isn't the case. Um, Some of the most toxic things we know are naturally occurring. And so it, it really just became a marketing strategy. It helped companies sell food and it helped them potentially sell it for a higher price point as well. I mean, early on, I never really saw anyone. I was probably looking for information that confirmed my biases at the time, but I didn't really see anybody online like sharing stuff to refute it and things to, you know, counter it with science and stuff like that. So I hope now there is more of that than when I was sort of duped by the whole clean eating marketing. But yeah, I think it just, it's, it spreads because it's easy to understand whether, you know, whether it's true or not, it's easy to understand. It confirms biases. It makes people feel better or superior by eating clean, all those types of things. And I think one of the biggest things too, that sort of made me switch my mindset was becoming a mom and realizing how much of that marketing is targeted specifically towards moms of young children, because that is the group where fear sells the most, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's like, if there's any doubt in your mind as a mom that like something is bad for my child and I can buy something better, like if you have the means, like you're going to do it. And it's, it's, it's super frustrating because a lot of these things aren't true and you don't need to be spending more, but really becoming a mom made me realize even more how much that marketing is targeted towards moms. Yeah. Yeah. Fear sells really jumped out mm. at me. Like if yeah. we can create a condition of fear, we can create status and gatekeep these foods and there is more money to be had. So it's yep. marketing. Yeah, for sure. And I've been in those marketing meetings, like as far as when it comes to like non-GMO organic, you know, these things aren't being put on food because like the conversation isn't like, how do we make this healthier? Oh, let's make it non-GMO and organic. Like it doesn't make it healthier. These meetings are marketing meetings where it's like, who's our target market? Will they pay more for these labels? Okay. It makes sense to invest in these labels. Like they are marketing labels. They're not telling you anything about the safety or the nutrition of your food. So yeah. Crazy. Now, (laughs) uh, Melissa, I don't know if you're going to ask this or not, but like, I need to know this answer now. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm excited. (laughs) But like, obviously you say you were duped. Bamboozled is my favorite word, but (laughs) what made you change your mind? Right. Because you said you have a bachelor's in chemical engineering, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, while you were in this bachelor's of chemical engineering, did you believe in organic? And then when were you like, wait a second, like, absolutely not? Because I feel like a lot of people are still teeter-tottering. Because again, fear sells. And I was just telling this to Melissa the other day, like, I turned down a lot of sponsorships and like, even like, speaking events, because I'm like, I refuse to speak at a conference or to, you know, these people and blame them for whatever condition is happening. And you're using all these fear-based statements and things like that. And I 100% am against fear-based public health campaigns. They don't don't work. Yeah, they don't work. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, specifically with chemical engineering, it, it was more about like the processes. So it wasn't really, 
I guess it's sounds weird, but I didn't really connect it like to, to food. And I think for me, it was never like, you know, I was like, oh, I definitely know this is healthier for me. It was kind of just like, eh, I can afford organic, like it might be better. So I'm just going to buy it. Like it was never like, I, I guess it was just sort of something I did. I never really like looked into it much. And I was just like, yeah, I think it might be healthier. So I'm going to buy it even. So my first job out of, out of uh, college was actually at a conventional ingredient company. And I still like was an organic consumer. I actually ended up leaving that company to go work for a smaller, more like natural company. And that's kind of where I started realizing like how arbitrary these labels are. It was a really, really small company. So it was actually my job to get like the non-GMO verifications and the organic certifications and just sort of realizing like what went into that. It's just like gathering paperwork, paying them money for the label, like kind of like questioning, like, what's the deal with this? Like, I thought this meant it was healthier and it just seems like it's money and paperwork and really annoying. Like I hated getting non-GMO verifications. Like it was just like so much time, so much paperwork. And so that's kind of when I started questioning it. I would say I probably still believed it a little bit, but Like I said, I think it wasn't really till I had my daughter where she has some disabilities as well. And specifically, not only just being a mom being targeted by it, but being a mom of a a disabled child being targeted even more by fear-based marketing and just a lot of different things that go, go into that as well. You know, I was like, okay, I'm finally going to actually like look into the research on this and, and try to understand like just specifically when I was like buying food for my daughter too, it's like, do I need to buy organic anymore? Like, is this something I need to continue buying? And that's kind of when I started realizing a lot of the things I believed weren't necessarily what I thought they were. So yeah. (laughs) Well, at first when you adopt like an organic lifestyle, I think people do feel really empowered. Like they, they found this information and they're activated and making a choice and I love the way that it seems like through, through this awakening, you like re-empowered yourself. You were kind of yeah. like, oh, wait a minute, I'm in charge. No one's going to fear me or my kid. And we're going to figure right. this out. So <laughs> you kept that thread. You just did it in a different way. Yeah. Yep. That's great. So I love your videos. Like if you are not following, it's food science babe, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> if you are not following, please go follow. They're so educational, but a lot of the humor I get is in seeing, I see some, some repetition and some consistency in some of the videos you post the way, the style that they're recorded. It feels like they're often in a grocery aisle, like come over here, like let's look at this label or, and then they're zooming in and there's this very particular cadence of speech and this style. And that's the part that really amuses me is like, when you watch them back to back like that, it's kind of like, what's going on here? So I guess for you, like, what are some of the trends of misinformation you've seen lately? What are some of the things that seem to be popularly repeated as a fear mongering tactic among these groups? Yeah. So I think that that one specifically, like where somebody goes into a grocery store, like takes something off the shelf, like reads the ingredients and is like, Oh, this is a preservative. It's horrible. And it's just like, what? Like, 
because it's a preservative, it's horrible. Like, and I, and that is the type of thing like on TikTok that I feel like creators see getting attention. So like, they'll just go do it. And it's like, they don't know what they're talking about. They didn't even understand the video they saw. And it's just like a big game of telephone where it's like, oh, I saw like these types of videos getting all these views. So there's those ones specifically right now on TikTok, the ones that are like the band in Europe thing is like, I've stopped even covering it because I'm just so sick of it. Like I've done several videos on like, oh, can like, do you believe what like the US allows and what is banned in Europe? And I've gone over so many times how like regulatory, it's different in different countries. Just because an ingredient is banned in a specific country doesn't mean that it's not safe. And and it's the other way around too. I mean, the US has some ingredients that we don't have approved for food that that Europe uses. And it doesn't mean that like our food is safer. Like the most frustrating thing is like, we're talking about countries with like really, really safe food supplies. And it's like, we're splitting hairs and those videos, like you'll just, there's just so many where people will, it's like the same three ingredients. So, you know, they just like saw a video and they're like repeating it. And it's like, these things are banned in Europe. And like half the time, they're not even ingredients that are banned. Like if you look at the ingredient label in Europe, they use E numbers for additives. So it'll be like E and then a three digit number. Whereas in the US, it'll say like FDNC yellow number six or something. And so they're like, oh, this is banned in Europe. And it's like, no, it's just labeled differently. But those ones are so prevalent right now on TikTok. And it's so frustrating because they get like millions of views. And it's like, I've just, yeah, I get tagged in them all the time. And I'm just like, I'm done with this topic. I'm not covering it anymore. Like, it's so frustrating. I'm, I'm fighting out here for 200 likes on a reel. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's really, and like I said too, like I'll, I'll make a video, you know, like correcting it. And it's like, yeah, I get like a couple thousand views and I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, like stop, stop being so unsexy and simple. Yeah. We don't like that. <laughs> like stop, like stop I guess giving I need to truth. talk like they talk or like, I don't know, be like walking around a grocery store and doing it or something like mine are too boring, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Aaron, you put on a bikini and uh, <laughs> that's it. I guess, that might I guess I have to start doing TikTok dances or yeah. something. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you doing it the way you want to do it. Um, you, you've, you've converted us. We're big fans. <laughs> <laughs> big big fans did I, just, yeah a lot out there did I see yeah. once that you did like a clap back or response video and then somebody actually was like hey thanks for educating me did that oh yeah that? that was the very first one that I did that was like the band in Europe so like I was just getting started on TikTok and like I didn't really know what I was doing but I I stitched or I duetted I can't remember a video of somebody like that exact same video like did you know that these things are banned in Europe? So I just like stitched it and was like, oh, these aren't. And then she reached out to me and actually was like, hey, can you like, let me know? Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't know that this was false. And so then she ended up making like a follow-up video and correcting it. And that's happened a few times, but it rarely happens. Typically yeah. I just get blocked. <laughs> it rarely happens because they want to keep their likes and followers yeah. and controversy. Yeah. But there's a lot of them are selling stuff too. Yeah, so it's like, they're just going to block me and they don't want their followers to see it. So, yeah. 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 So what do you, I mean, like this is, a lot of people like think, well, okay, I get it. For the most part, yes, we have a, a safe food supply. We have an FDA that has regular regulations. There are people involved with auditing and making sure our food supply is safe. There's this message that's almost like we can trust it. 
But then the other side of people are like, but what if we can't? We always do sometimes hear about the romaine lettuce that is no good or the we hear about this is would be like a um, infection kind of situation. But how do we stay open to new science and new phenomena while yeah. also honoring the side that's like it's mostly safe? So what what can people do to like be skeptical well, so think- enough? Yeah. So I think like those things of like, you know, the recalls and stuff, I mean, that's, those are our processes working. I mean, like we have processes in place to like, understand if something gets out that needs to be recalled and it gets recalled, like that is how those processes work. And so I think sometimes like people will use examples like that. And it's like, or like something that was approved in the past that's now banned. And it's like, that's evidence of it of it working and, you know, taking new evidence into account and realizing like we do learn new information all the time. So like there are potentially going to be things like in the future that, you know, or we just come up with a safer alternative. And so it's like, Hey, we're not going to use this anymore. But I think a lot of times those get brought up as like examples of like, Oh, we can't trust the system. Whereas like, those are actually like, those are examples of the system actually working. Like that's how it works. Like they take new evidence into account. And if something eventually is like, Hey, or they need to alter the levels that are approved too. So that's one thing, you know, those are examples of the system working. The other thing too, is like, I think a lot of times when people are just like, there's no regulation surrounding this, it's like, they just don't, no, they don't, they literally never looked at the regulations. And it's like, if you go into the CFR and actually look at the regulations surrounding that, it's like very regulated. So I think a lot of times too, it's like, they're just sort of like repeating something they've heard and they've, they've never gone and actually looked at the regulations. And it's like, no, if you actually go look, I mean, it's very regulated. So I think, I think it's two things. It's just like one people not really actually going and looking at the regulations before stating like, oh, there's no regulations, like anything goes. Additives go through a process to be approved. And a lot of them too have specific levels that can be in foods based on toxicology data. And so these things, you know, it's not just like, oh, we can put whatever we want into whatever we want at whatever amount that we want. I mean, there's definitely regulations and they keep getting better, you know, as we get more evidence too. So, yeah. 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 I love that framing, right? It's true. And I talk about this with clients sometimes who struggle with the idea of food waste. And I always think back to whenever we did our part of dietetics training is also like food service management. And Delina might remember this, but they make you learn these calculations. Like if you're going to make broccoli, there's a yield of 70% in the broccoli or something like that. So for me, I was like, oh, okay. So there's always going to be a part of the broccoli that won't get used. And that helped me to understand that food waste is inherently part of food production. We, we can aspire and work towards reducing that as much as possible, but it may never be zero. And you're making me think that that's also a helpful like frame for food safety. Like it may never be at zero because these are organic materials where bacteria and virus, they can grow. We can, we're learning new things as we improve technology and the expectation that food will be 100% safe is almost like that's how people expect it to be, but that's not the reality of working with biological material. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like you said, like we're, we figure out ways to make food safer all the time, but that it's never going to be like, 
you know, there's never going to be a recall or it's 100% safe. Like there's always going to be those things that happen, but you know, overall it is getting safer and we're figuring out ways to make food, you know, even last longer to reduce food waste and things like that too. So yeah. And feed more people. I think that's the right thing. You know, we think from the folks who maybe are more privileged are demanding all of this, Mm -hmm. these extra bells and whistles. The progress that we have made has helped with food insecurity. It has helped people who are of less means access food that maybe wouldn't have been able to. And so we have to think about all of us, not just the privileged few when Mm. we're developing a food supply. Right. And that's the thing I get really frustrated with is like the demonizing of like preservatives, especially. I mean, like for some reason, like they just have like this negative connotation. Like you literally just say like something is a preservative and it's like implied that that's negative. When in reality, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's improving access and, you know, reducing food waste and making food safer. And it's like, why is that implied like negative? Like, and typically it is coming from people that like, they don't need those foods. So they're just like, well, just buy fresh. And it's like, cool if you can do that. But like a lot of people can't, and it's great that they have canned frozen, you know, vegetables because they literally wouldn't have access otherwise. So it's super frustrating to see that being, you know, demonized when the access literally isn't there for some people. And that is a way to get them food, you know? And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, this is the number one thing that trolls come into my page about is preservatives in Sasson. And I'm just like, (laughs) don't come for the season. You know? And it's like the number one thing that people are always like, what the preservatives? And I'm like, (laughs) sodium is a natural preservative. Right. Like, I I, I don't like, I don't know how else to explain this to you, but like, Sodium is going to be found in Sasson, not only because it adds flavor, but because it's a preservative so that your seasonings can stay fresh longer so that you can utilize it. Because not (laughs) all of us can make Sasson on our own, right? Right. It is literally, you can go on literally any post that I have ever made about any Latinx food. And that is literally a comment on everything. So you are okay with preservatives? (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah, yes, I am. Delina, I'm going to start coming to each one of your posts and just saying, stop supporting big preservatives. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I just blocked somebody yesterday. I'm like, I'm going to be like, conspiracy question mark? Is Delina involved with Cezanne? Always, or- always. So how can you, how can you believe in the health? But I'm like, oh, I just block, block and bless. That is yeah. my hashtag, block and bless. It seems to be the mental health strategy. So yeah, sure. yeah. So really important perspectives. And I'm hoping listeners who maybe feel on the fence about this, feel inspired at, at least when you see something that isn't matching what you think, just taking a pause, take a breath, look at the information. Erin's page is fantastic. If you're looking for little bite-sized pieces of information to get your mind open to this, what would you say, Erin, is like your bit of advice or takeaway you'd want listeners to think about if they are a little bit skeptical, they come from a clean eating camp and they, they also are working on liberalizing food rules and wanting food freedom. So from your perspective, what would you suggest? Yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing is just being open to questioning your biases. Like you're not, you're not going to learn anything or change your beliefs until you're, until you're open. I mean, there were a lot of opportunities for me that I I was like, just not ready yet. So I think just being 
open and realizing like questioning if these are things you're just believing and you haven't really like looked at the evidence, like realizing like these aren't things that are just like common sense type things necessarily. So just looking at the, you know, the evidence-based info I present, um, I think it's really important to like, if there are accounts that you follow that are making you feel bad about the food you're eating or making you feel like what you're eating is like harmful or what you're just like constantly telling you like what you're feeding your kids is harmful. Like unfollowing those accounts too is really helpful um, because like we've said, like our food is very safe. You shouldn't be scared of safe foods. And a lot of that fear, you know, the fear mongering and the misinformation is based off of fear. And I think constantly seeing that in your newsfeed, you know, toxins is a huge like red flag word. If people are saying something is toxic and they're not telling you anything about like you know, specifically naming the chemical they're talking about, talking about dose or giving you any sort of scientific evidence showing that it's toxic. That's a word that gets thrown around so much and it's, it's meaningless unless you're backing it up with more information. And so I think just making sure you're, I think that's a good new year's resolution too, is just like going through your newsfeed and like, (laughs) if, yeah, like if accounts are, are constantly saying like, this is toxic or, you know, this is harming your kid, like just stop following those accounts yep. because they're really not helpful and they can be really harmful too. So, and yeah. I will also add that a lot of the studies that they cite are rat studies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. We're yeah, that's rats. the thing too. It's difficult to tell people what to look for because a lot of times I'm like, make sure they're citing studies. But now I know that there's accounts out there that are like, have a long mm-hmm. list of studies and I'll go look at them and I'm like, okay, first of all, that like literally has nothing to do with your post. You know, it's a rat <laughs> study. It's a, you know, it's a small study, cherry pick studies. So I think it's important too. like, I feel, I feel like a lot of these like pseudoscience accounts are kind of catching on to like, Oh, we need to cite our sources. So Mm -hmm. they'll like have a huge list and most people will look at that and be like, Oh, they have references. So it's legit, but you have to go a step further and like, look at what they're referencing too. So yeah. (laughs) Which can be very frustrating and hard and overwhelming. So taking a step back and just taking some deep breaths and saying, I'm just going to do what's right for me right now at this right. moment. And maybe I'll come back to that later because it is a scary world. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for those tips. And I know that you, you've got some like merch. I think you have like a Patreon. Tell us how can folks find you and support your work? Yeah. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's all food science, babe. And then I have a Patreon for anybody that wants to, I do, um, twice a month live Q and A's for my Patreon members. So they kind of get to pick what topics that they want me to talk about. And I do like a half an hour live Q and A for them. And then I also have a merch store, which you can find, uh, linked on any one of my pages, but I have some designs that I made up. So Erin, what you got in that merch store? You got some (laughs) t-shirts? I have some, yeah, I need to actually create some new designs. I haven't created many for a while, but um, I need a mug. There's, there's mugs, there's t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, my sister does sometimes listen to this podcast, and if she does, she's gonna laugh. I cannot figure out what to get her at the time <laughs> of this recording. Holidays are upon us. You will be hearing it in January, so maybe, maybe she's gonna get some food science, babe. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> some Christmas presents. Erin, you are so awesome. I love your story. I love the way you teach and that you, like our listeners, have gone through a bit of changing and evolving around food freedom and, and really kind of honoring your body and your values. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your yeah. story. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. That was a really fun one. I enjoyed the clean eating deep dive. Listen, so good. Like, I can't even. (laughs) As the kids say, I can't even. She can't even. (laughs) She's overloaded. I am overloaded. (laughs) I think it's helpful. It's it's tough to take it in. And I was listening to that podcast maintenance phase this morning and- Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's a little bit like, oh gosh, there's so much misinformation out there and it's hard. It's hard not to get swept up in it. So I think it's always helpful to have that calm perspective from people like Erin who can say, you know what, yeah. for the most part, you can feel safe to eat how you want. That yeah. actually is, it's backed by science. I think a lot of people feel afraid of it at first because we're told like, you have to be afraid of everything. That's the thing. Like, it's such a fear-based everything. It's just like nothing, like we need to talk about a lot of things when we talk about risk and it's not always just fear. I don't know. know. Well, for our clients anyways, clean eating is, (laughs) there's a subset of my clients where clean eating is definitely their entry point into some of their disordered stuff. And oh God, it feels frustrating when they look back because they're like, I wasted so much time and energy Mm -hmm. and money. I was so anxious around food and if only I had known that that wasn't really coming from a place of my best interest, yeah. I might've done different. So it's just good perspective to have as you're challenging those food rules. It is. And you have to do what's right for you and your body. Ultimately, that's the goal. Yeah. We just want you to have those facts, that information. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we, at the time of this recording, are about to take a little bit of a break. It's mm-hmm. uh, entering into that holiday season. Are you yeah, excited no. for some time off? Listen, I'm ready to just lay and do nothing. She's in her sweats already, I can see. You are. <laughs> Not that we're like overly formal dressers as it is. I, I would say that we're... <laughs> what is the delineation between vacation and work weeks for us in that regard? Sometimes know. we dress up, sometimes we dress down. But oh, well, I had a great year recording with you. I can't wait to get back at it. Of course, you guys will be listening to this way after yeah. our vacation. Afterwards, so hopefully we're yeah. rested and jolly on Instagram. Yeah. We want to thank you for being with us, uh, listening to these podcasts, hopefully inspiring your journey out there. If you get a second, we would love for you to give us an honest review. Tell us how the podcast is impacting you. We love supporting you with this information. So let us know how you're using it out there yes so connect with us and peace love and break the diet cycle bye delina bye